Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for another Relic Reveal video. I'm excited about this one because, yes, he's a Franciscan, and I love Franciscans, but I had no idea about this man's story. We're going to talk today about Benedict the Moor. Woo! We are at Saint number 20, well on our way to the end. The end is nigh of this Relic Reveal to the Our Lady of the Angels Chapel. I'm excited. Jay, how many saints do we got? 26. 26, but 27 relics. Dun, dun, dun. I'm excited. All right, let's start talking about good old Benedict. Now, this story, I think, is super fascinating. It's also super short because we don't know a ton about Benedict. We know the man was a miracle worker. He was a hermit that ended up becoming a Franciscan friar, and but actually never took the vows of a priest. He ended up living the life of a lay brother who was consecrated in the order, but did so much. He gathered a huge following. And now he's the patron saint of Africans, African-Americans, Palermo, where the mafia was born, and Sicily. Craziness. Let's tell this story. The story of Benedict the Moor doesn't start with him. It starts with his parents. His parents were captured slaves from Africa, brought into Italy. And here, they would eventually convert to Catholicism and were super devout. Their Catholic faith penetrated every aspect of their life. In fact, it so impressed their master and owner that when they found out that they were pregnant with their first child, Benedict, literally the owner said, I won't own him. I'm going to grant him totally his freedom. And so this kid was born of slave parents, but himself was a free man, though a peasant, right? He was free. He would grow up to live a life of profound generosity. In fact, at the age of 10, he already had a reputation. I mean, you can imagine what it'd be like. You're a peasant child. You're the only black kid in the neighborhood. And yet you had an dealing with all the scorn and mockery and insults. And yet you had an ardent love for the poor, the forgotten and the outcast. So here, Benedict from an early age would give whatever food and money he had, even at the age of 10, to people who were even worse off than him. Eventually, around the age of uh, 18, 21 years old, he meets a man who is a hermit. Now, a hermit is someone who lives alone or lives in a community of people who live alone. That sounds weird, but they group themselves together. And they do acts of penance and prayer all day long. And this man convinced young Benedict to join him in his hermitage. And he does. And he becomes a hermit. Now, the hermit was under the rule of St. Francis, right? So you got St. Francis of Assisi living a very devout and austere life. It's about 300 years after Francis started the Franciscan order, the, the Friars Minor. And so what ended up happening was at this time in Europe is the launch of the Protestant Reformation. And there were a lot of seedbeds of uh, rebellion against the church. So at a certain point in time, the Pope ended up issuing a decree that all unruled um, hermits had to be completely dispensed with. And so he was doing away with these hermits on mountaintops and hills and all this stuff. But because this particular group was already under the rule of St. Francis, they were invited to join the Order of the Friars Minor, the OFMs, which are the original, the OG of Franciscans. Now, this man already had a growing reputation. His reputation was not just based on his generosity, but also profound miracles began to be worked through him. People began to come and to flock to him. He ends up going to this monastery still as a layman. Why is he a layman? Because he can't read or write. And at that time, you could not become a priest if you couldn't read or write. So he was not ordained. He would die as a layperson who was a member of this order. And he lived his life in such a way that everyone who came to him, rich and poor alike, left changed. 
He was a humble, honest, simple man who devoted himself to the Lord, but that does not mean he was unintelligent. In fact, often quizzed, he could give profound theology and spiritual answers to those who sought out his questions. In fact, his renown would spread so much, he would get so mad because he couldn't function and offer his daily prayers. Every time he had to leave the friary, he would have to cover his face because he was kind of recognizable. So he would have to leave uh, shrouded just so he could go about the work of the friary. He ends up being first the doorman, then the kitchen guy, and he was famous for being a cook. He made tasty treats, but he also had miracles of multiplying bread because people would come from all over and he would they would say that food would multiply miraculously when he was in the kitchen in order to help them. And so the legend of Benedict would continue to grow. People sought out his counsel and then there began the stories that he would read people's minds. Essentially, the Lord would reveal to him certain things in their hearts and he would speak these things similar to another saint in our relic reveal, Saint Padre Pio. And so within this context, this guy's not a confessor. Padre Pio was hearing people's confessions. Here we have Benedict the Moor speaking the truth of the gospel into these people's lives so they could not hide from what Christ wanted to offer them. He was never left alone. At about the age of 63, he announced, he predicted ahead of time the very day and hour in which he would fall sick and die. And when he did in the company of his friars, he was immediately hailed as a holy man, as a saint. He was canonized in the 1700s, and, or he was beatified in the 1700s and canonized in about 1806. He's now the patron saint of Palermo, Italy, right? Patron saint of Palermo, Italy. He's the patron saint of Sicily, of Africans and African Americans. Benedict the Moor is a fascinating human being. Right, And this is February, the beginning of Black History Month, and we want to include the great saints from the whole world tradition. Now, what can we learn from the life of Benedict the Moor? Well, first and foremost, we can learn a life that love conquers all. What do I mean by that? The beautiful self-sacrificial generosity overcame the ostracization and insults and scorn that the people around him left on him just because of the color of his skin. He overcame that by the radical generosity of his love of God and neighbor as himself. I mean, think about that. When all the chips are stacked against you, right? We often want to retreat into ourselves or lash out in anger. He responded with Christian holiness like Christ crucified. He offered love and mercy, and that changed hearts. In fact, he would grow up to become an advisor, a counselor to the rich and the powerful. And they ended up honoring him instead of rejecting him. The messages here are so powerful for us today to get over ourselves and to find Christ wherever he may be. One other great thing known about Benedict the Moor was his profound cheerfulness. And that's something that I think we all can use a lot today. He chose joy in the face of not just adversity and insults, but in the face of the daily hardships. I mean, the man desired Christ above all things, became a Franciscan friar, yet could never become a priest because of his inability to read. I can guarantee you that that caused deep suffering in his life, but he chose to respond with joy, seeing the will of God in even the small things, whether he's preparing food, he's answering the door, or he becomes the guardian of the entire monastery monastery, the entire friary, right, leading it into a time of prosperity and, uh, and influence. This is amazing. This is a story for us. You and I, brothers and sisters, can choose to respond to the adversity around us, or we can choose the joy that Christ purchased for us through his death and resurrection. I hope you can join us next week as we continue this road. We got six more saints left and seven more relics on our road to the Our Lady of the Angels 
Uh, I almost called it monastery, Jay. So silly. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe we get a cluster of widows and orphans and we could... Anywho, when we build the Our Lady of the Angels Chapel, I hope that you can rally around this vision of sanctifying the woodlands with the very presence of our saints, our brothers and sisters marked by the sign of faith who have gone before us. Just last week, we broke ground. We did that ceremonial golden shovel digging. It was so fun. So many people came out for it. It was a beautiful thing. But, but, it's not just about the ceremony. It's about sanctity. This chapel exists for our edification so that you and I can journey, can pilgrimage into the very heart of Christ who loved us with an everlasting love. God bless you. Stay classy.